This podcast is brought to you by StoreMaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StoreMaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. We're always looking to grow our user base. I think we always want to look at the end user at the end of the day. I think that's the most important of growing your user base across all of our different platforms and kind of also understanding how do our users tie into all of the different platforms they're on. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Today we have Sarah Main from Weatherbug. Sarah, could you introduce yourself a little bit? Hi, my name is Sarah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate being on this podcast. I'm the director of product for Weatherbug. We are a weather consumer app that delivers the weather to all over the world. Um, And I'm in charge of the product organization. So we also operate as a very lean team. So I also manage all of the marketing, uh, customer support, um, and the product organization, including design underneath me. Only have a small set of tasks as I hear it. (laughs) Not a lot at all. (laughs) You know, we're going to dig into some of that, the specifics of your strategy. But first, if you could let me know, you know, what are the KPIs that you're looking at when you're, when you're optimizing? What's kind of the, the North Star of what you're aiming? We're always looking to grow our user base. I think we always want to look at the end user at the end of the day. I think that's the most important of growing your user base across all of our different platforms and kind of also understanding how do our users tie into all of the different platforms they're on. So the one thing also to give you a little bit of background about Weatherbug is we've been around for 20 years. So we've actually started when we were the pre-installed apps on desktops for uh, Windows. So a key part of our um, understanding is also how do we cr- create that user journey as the user's going across applications, whether it's from desktop to mobile to now connected TV or onto other different devices. So really retaining that user and touching them on different, different platforms, um, I would say is very, very key for us. But also retention is how long is the user spending inside the app, right? We want to make sure that, A, yes, they're coming into our application checking the forecast, but what else are they looking at? How can we make sure that not only are they coming, but we're retaining those users and making them spend more time within the app? Do you have specific behavioral KPIs or it's more, you know, day seven usage, monthly average users? Session length would be key. Session length would be key. Definitely it's how long there's in the app, whatnot. And then obviously DAUs and MAUs are very key important for us. Okay. Awesome. Um, and just so we can kind of give an idea of scale and of course, share only what you're comfortable with. How many monthly users about are we talking about or how many downloads for your mobile apps? Yes. Yeah, so we actually have over 15 million users across all the applications. Wow. Um, and those are primarily desktop uh, um, and both mobile platforms for Android and iOS. Okay. Amazing. So let's go ahead and, uh, and get a little more understanding about cross-funnel work. So I know feedback is something that is critical to the way you're working. Can you tell me a bit about how you currently get feedback from your users? I would say that is one of the most key um, things to us is understanding how our users use the app. And like I was telling you, so we've had users for that have been with us for the last 20 years. So we have very vocal users telling us what they love and what they don't like. So 
rather than always just building new features and figuring out what we need to build next and how we can kind of keep up with the competition, we also prioritize what the users are saying quite a bit so we can integrate their feedback into whether tech deck or new things that they're looking for. So we put them into an internal feedback system where they can email us um, saying the things they don't and they do like, and we categorize that each week on the top ranking complaints and top ranking requests. And then that goes into the product pipeline directly. So feeding in from customer support underneath my team into understanding, okay, if this is what our users are saying. And also then also alerting us in case something goes wrong or something's not working. We actually know in real time because users are going to complain right away if something's not showing up or something's not working as it's supposed to be. So our users can actually help us understand our QA process to a very, very quick real-time understanding and then filter that into the tech prioritization to understanding what we should be fixing or working on um, between the large-scale projects. Are you able to tie that... Uh you know, that feedback a little more top of the funnel. So when you're looking at growing into a new audience base, do you have that ability to incorporate feedback or is it focusing on your existing base? So right now it's our existing base, but the nice thing about it is because they are so vocal, they can also request like, A, what platforms they're looking to be on. Like, I would really want you to hopefully you're on this new TV or you're on a connected, let's say Alexa. Like if we are getting that feedback from our existing applications, it can actually shape the ongoing product roadmap in the future to understand what they're looking for. And also it really comes in handy too when they're looking for different data sets or looking for different features. Like if there's something something really particular to them, whether they're looking for a forecast or something to do with travel or boating, that really actually helps shape this understanding, okay, this is what they're, they're using our app for and this is where we could improve and this is what we could do better. Amazing. I guess it could also tap you into a different user base at the end of the day. If there's an alternative use of the app that you weren't thinking of as kind of your main use case, you have a group of users now to tell you, actually, we, we can use this and we do use this for this purpose. Um, I'd imagine it benefits your reviews as well. If you have a user base who you're responding pretty real time to their requests, you don't get the, the slew of reviews you see when a popular app will release a new version of, oh my God, why did they ruin it? One star. Totally. And I think that's actually one key to the way that we operate as an organization as well, is we really care about um, the mission of providing safety and environmental intelligence to all of our users. So we really put a lot of due care into our users. So all of the emails are actually responded by a customer support team rather than just a bot, rather than just something that's just an automatic reply. We actually help every single user that we work with diagnose their issue and get to the bottom of it and help them solve what, what's going wrong rather than just saying, we'll get back to you. I'm sorry for the inconvenience. So it really is important to us to making sure that we show them that we are going the extra length, making sure that we can help fix their problem. And more often or not, usually the angry customers just want their voice to be heard, actually then come back and reply with a more positive review saying, thank you for being how understanding and how quick you got back to me. So it really does show in the care of the users as well. All right, let's shift gears a little bit from feedback into partnerships. I know that that's kind of a central focus for you and, and using partnerships to grow. Can you describe that a little bit? So I think we, we've always been a B2C company, obviously looking at the way that we can deliver the weather to our consumers. But in the last year or so, we've actually been opening up how do we grow our user base and functionality with leveraging partnerships. So one partnership in particular, you can look into our application and it's called the commuter section. We partnered with a company called Arity, which delivers telematics to consumers. And they are the, uh, the technology branch outside of Allstate that's providing uh, driving data to understanding how to better prepare and better drivers on the road. So when we partnered with them, they, we realized that we could combine weather data and driving data and create a feature that would allow users to come in and understand, okay, how is 
weather impacting your commute? And how can we understand better equip you so you can leave on time or understand that how it's going to be impacted the next day? So we've been looking at how do we partner with different businesses and enterprises to create new feature sets and new data to allow users to really understand how weather is impacting all different aspects of their day-to-day rather than just opening the app and saying, okay, is it going to rain in the next hour or so? So I'd say that's really important to us is understanding we can deliver more value and more safety on so many different aspects of what they're going to be doing every single day. And how do you measure the success of a partnership like that? Meaning how do you know that you've actually really hit onto something that's, that's working well? I mean, the one thing about it is we can actually see, obviously, how many users are going to that specific section in the application. So the way that you look at our app, obviously, we have so many different data sets. So we measure, obviously, what are the different areas in the app that the user's going to. And first and foremost, the users like obviously want to check the forecast and they want to understand if they're looking at maps, how the weather is impacting your day to day. But we can see then obviously on a ratio, how many users are then actually going to the different data sets of the, of the app and that being obviously now the commuter section. So we can evaluate that we, we had an assumption how many users we thought we'd go and how many users would use it. And then obviously now over time, as it's growing, we view that as a a benchmark of success if we reach a certain amount of users that are actively going back to that section every single day. So it's more than just that initial click and that they've explored it. It's how much this has actually become part of their routine usage. Totally. And that's the thing is also the one thing to note about the partnership with Arity is when you're in that section, once your driving has been calculated and you've done a certain amount of trips, we can also then start predicting the common routes you have and also saying, okay, it looks like you drive to this location. Uh, We can tell you that it's going to be pouring rain overnight or there's going to be a snowstorm overnight. You should probably leave early so then you aren't caught in traffic. And then that way, combining the telematics and driving weather, we can understand, okay, users want to know how we can better come help prepare them when they aren't, don't even know what's going to be coming in the future. That is amazing. Um, I, I'm like imagining now the night before you go to bed, instead of having to figure out that you're, you know, wake up and wonder if you're going to be an hour late, because uh, at least where we are, we don't have snow here, but Israeli drivers <laughs> shut down in the rain, like two drops of rain and everybody's like, whoa, the roads are crazy. <laughs> Just uh, out of curiosity, you do proactively alert them like, hey, this is your your normal drive. Something's going on there. So yes, I'd say that is actually in the pipeline. It is not that feature is not released so cool. yet, but that's exactly where we're going to because at the end of the day, we just want to make sure that our our users can be the most equipped for any situation, and also giving them that heads up notice depending on their route the next day, they can be aware that okay, something's going to change in the forecast. That's super cool. That's genius. <laughs> um, okay, so you clearly have. I mean, there's a lot of avenues that it looks like you guys are always listening to your users. You're always looking for opportunities. How do you create that? short list of ideas, you know, how do you narrow down on, okay, this is a partnership we want to pursue. Let's see what we can do with this out of the bank of things that you're coming up with. Well, when it comes to product, we all have hundreds of projects in the pipeline of understanding different directions we can go. There's always that brainstorm, that ideation. However, I think the one key for Weatherbug and where we look at partnering with different companies is we always want to make sure that our mission and values align with them. So we're providing the same expectation what we're giving to the user. So first and foremost with Arity is providing that driving intelligence to create safety on the roads. Very hand in hand with us creating weather intelligence, environmental intelligence, keeping you safety, keeping you safe in all aspects of your lives. So I think we always have different partnerships that are on are on the table. 
But the number one thing that we look at is we want to make sure that we have an aligned vision of how we view our users and how we're leveraging that data. So when we create those solutions, we're aligned with what we're expecting to get out of the users as well. How do you, you know, what happens next? So you've got your idea, you know what you believe is going to impact your user base the most powerfully. What's the next step? How do you actually make the partnership come alive? I think it definitely comes down to great communication between the partners and an expectation of where you want to go. From a product side, we would definitely pick on which direction we want to go. And then we've confirmed, okay, this will be the next feature build or this next partnership where we want to deliver our aspect. But I think it goes back and forth of setting those clear expectations, setting that communication, and then really putting that product, uh, putting that understanding of what the data looks like in a product's hand and us designing a potential feature or a potential new section within our app and then going, okay, does this work for you? Does this align with your goals? This this aligns for us. And then obviously setting those KPIs, what we think we can hit in once the partnership goes live or goes live within our app. It sounds like you guys are, you know, both through the feedback loop through partnerships that you're incredibly user focused in the way that you're creating your product roadmap and the way that you choose what to do. Do you find uh, ways to pull that in the marketing side as well? Or is it just more of a natural flow of we're focusing on the users? So we're just giving them what they're looking for. I mean, definitely focusing on the users for sure is one thing, but I think that flows into also how we promote our app and whatnot on the marketing standpoint. A lot of our marketing is actually very organic rather than paid. So we're all around uh, social media. And also we have a fantastic partnership with a company called the Live Storm Chasers who actually go around the United States chasing after storms, but are directly communicating to our users through Facebook and through Instagram and talking to them about what's going on, how the weather's going to impact them and really connecting to the users one-on-one. So we definitely connect that personality and that connection to users through our marketing strategy and really trying to connect to the users rather than to kind of have this more of a serious approach. We want to take a very more personal approach when it comes to social media so the users can connect and kind of reach out to us and also submit kind of what, what's going on in their lives. What are the different videos and photos that you've seen on your day-to-day? So really kind of bringing that user-centric approach ties in the marketing to the product as well. I mean, do you have seasonal trends outside of just holiday season, whatever you're a weather app? Are you seeing spikes when the weather gets bad or is it just static the year round? I mean, without a doubt, it's definitely, that's one of the challenging things about the job is we get more users when the weather gets worse. We don't, I never want to impose bad weather, but you definitely can see that when weather spikes, you see a different usage because obviously users are coming into your app to check what the storm is going to be like, where it's going to be impacting my location. So anytime there's a high weather, you're going to see a high spike in users. Yeah. Uh, do you have any ways of kind of tapping into that from the way you manage, you know, whether it's it's marketing and the social media side, do you have a, a strategy that aligns with that or it's a natural flow of how things go? Definitely. I'd say you can definitely align up a strategy with anything with social media, but also product push marketing. So think about how you can engage with your users directly through your app. So when you can also send out notifications to users in times of high weather to then push it to the user's home screen. And then they go, oh, I should check my weather app. Let me know what's going on my location, thereby driving more users into the app with a higher session time. So leveraging the tools of connecting to the users outside of just them opening the app really can you can tie into the weather trends because you know that weathers are going to be users are going to be concerned about the weather that impacts their location so giving them a heads up will just automatically let them know what's happening and drive them more into the app for more usage yeah i'd imagine you also get you mentioned most of your traffic is organic outside of the social activities you guys are doing i'd imagine there has to be a word of mouth factor here of if you have this kind of level of communication with your users that you know i'm imagining 
a mom pinging their kid, a kid pinging their mom, hey, make sure that you are downloading this. This just helped me. You should be using it as well. Do you have a way of kind of tapping into the organic trends outside of your efforts in social networks? Or is that something that's just uh, amazing? Great. It happens. And we'll, we'll thank our lucky stars that we got these users. I think the one thing is, is we we do get a lot of, uh, I would say super users. We get a lot of users that love and share our app through word, word of mouth. And I think we do tap into it by understanding their product feedback in a positive sense and reaching out to them and connecting in that sense and on how it, knowing how it's done. But I would say probably we do leverage social media the most in the way that we can connect and understand why they love about our app so much and how we can grow that further. But I would say it does more from the organic side more than often or not. Yeah. So you're mostly focusing on the organic, on social media from the organic side. It's less about paid advertising and it's more about kind of the outreach and, and natural community engagement. Correct. I would say the big thing that we want to create is that community because I, we do find that our users are quite vocal and they can give us quite good feedback without having to spend a lot of the money. Um, so our social media has been quite around that community approach and making the people feel like their voices are heard and also understanding how they can incorporate into our product roadmap. Do you have an example of a time where maybe the user feedback led you astray, meaning you had a really passionate voice from your users and it actually didn't align with what practically happened afterwards? Yeah, definitely. I think that comes down to also when you're also uh, with feature requests, because you need to understand we've got over 15 million users. When you have 200 feature requests for something, that's still not even an increment of the larger user base. So there was one time we did create a feature out of uh, ongoing weather events that was happening. And we said, we, we thought we should create a new section for it. Unfortunately, obviously it was very timely in which the users wanted to see something to do with natural disasters in the application. However, it wasn't very representative of the larger user base at hand because it was just a small fraction of users that had requested it. So we did it. We did invest a lot of time and resources in building that out, but it didn't reflect um, to the remainder of the user base and how well that section would be getting used. Now, let's say you get to flashback, rewind a little bit. You're starting at Weatherbug, brand new. What would you do differently this time around? Ooh, um, I think I would do more A-B testing. I think before anything goes live, I would definitely put put more things in users' hands to understand two different directions you can go in and, and allow the users to provide us more feedback. So that the one thing is we did a lot of user testing um, outside the application. However, we didn't do a lot of A-B testing in-app. And I think letting the data speak for itself, even though you might have an assumption or you might think you know what's going on due to world or current events, definitely pushes you in one way. But I think if you put a lot of the information in the user's hands, especially if you have a large user base, base such as 15 million, you can gather a lot of data very quickly and kind of help that steer what you should do. So if I was to Rewind three years ago, I, I would definitely stay, stay focused on the data and really hone in the listening to the users from a data perspective. Yeah, 100%. I think it's one of the biggest challenges is, you know, it's critical to listen to your users. And of course, they know what they want, but sometimes it's really challenging to self-report on what you think you need. Um, you know, like something can sound like a great idea in your head. And then in practice, when you're actually faced with the two different options of how you're going to be using, one naturally works much better. So yeah, uh, I hear you there. Definitely. Okay, cool. So now it's the uh, quick fire round questions we ask oh, uh, everyone who joins. Yes. The first one is if you could give one tip to somebody who's entering the mobile growth space, it's their first foray in, what's the one tip you would give them? 
aptitude to learn. I think definitely one of the characteristics of looking at people entering into any new job space or you have experience or not is really have an aptitude to learn, to try new things. Don't be afraid to fail and say yes to everything. I think that's really shaped different growth paths and understanding how you can contribute to a growth strategy or a different part of the team is come in with an open mind and just absorb everything, but don't be afraid to commit to something that you don't know, because I really think that that can be applicable across all different aspects of the organization, but especially product and probably the growth space as well, because times are changing so quickly that come in, not thinking, you know, everything and just be ready to learn. Do you have a favorite growth resource? Ooh, I do quite read like reading or listening to um, Recode podcast with Kara Swisher. It might not be specifically related to growth, but I do like listening to Kara Swisher's podcast quite a bit, as well as the new one that's emerged recently. It's called The Morning Brew. Um, it's a newsletter plus a podcast, and they've always got really good tips just in emerging tech and understanding the whole tech space. Who is the person in this space that you would most like to take out for lunch and why? Person that I would want mostly, like, well, most would like to take out for lunch would be Tim Ferriss. Um, I think the way that he interviews candidates, especially founders and people in the space, he's got a very good approach to understanding what they, they find important, how they contribute to their company and what is happening in the tech world. Um, but I also do like the approach that it's not always just tech growth. He's got an understanding across so many different disciplines and how it contributes kind of to world economics and the way the world's changing. So I think he's got a fascinating view on the way the kind of the world works. Okay. The next question is, is the last one and it's the most important one, which is what is your favorite flavor of pancake? Oh, I would say raspberry white chocolate, but also with Canadian maple syrup because you can't not have Canadian maple syrup. It's definitely much different. So uh, raspberry white white chocolate pancakes for sure. Very much respect your pancake uh, opinions. I also, I married a Canadian just to make sure I'd get that, you know, the the maple syrup. One last thing, where can people find you? if They want to hear more. I would say the best place for me to reach out is actually on Twitter. I'm actively on Twitter all the time and feel free to also connect with me on LinkedIn is not an issue. Um, But Twitter I'd say is probably the most interaction that I get with tech people and tech discourse. It's probably very, very quick and less uh, less formal as well. Okay, Sarah, thank you so much for joining, for sharing, for really giving nice concrete examples for us to learn from. Yeah, thank you. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve app store performance, visit storemaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.